Hello everyone and welcome to the That's a Rap podcast. I'm your host Joe Downey. And I'm your other host, Matthew P, Matthew Parkinson, Matthew. <laughs> All of the aliases. I think with each we each episode we should just, you know, just keep list adding to it. I think I'm gonna the... Yeah, I'll just I'll be Matthew or Matt. <laughs> You heard it here, what, for the 8th or 9th ninth time? 9th episode. This is our ninth, ninth episode. We're nearly at double wow. digits. That's going to be such a milestone. Um, we got to pick something in particular. I think we've, al- we've already kind of decided, haven't we? Have we? I mean, not to spoil for li- I mean, for listeners, but... It, well, no, it's we're, fine if, if well, we don't we're go through with it. Documentaries, aren't we? Next Oh, yeah. Next oh, week? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We literally Sorry, just I spoke about it a minute ago. I know, I, I, was, I got it confused with our sleuth double bill idea. Oh, yeah, no, when when do you want to do that? Because I, I want to. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the, idea, uh, the idea, listeners, was that because we talked about sleuth very briefly at the first podcast, <laughs> that we actually revisit sleuth, well, I visit in my sense, revisit in your sense, yeah. uh, sleuth, the original and the remake. Mm. <laughs> Which is I haven't probably seen the, the nerdiest remake. thing. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm not jumping out my seat to watch it. But. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, big up, Ke- Keza. No, don't pick um, it up. <laughs> I hope no relatives hear that. No, it's fine. It's all right. He's, he's good. He's a good boy. He's talented. Um, I'm looking forward to Tenet. Um, oh, dear. If, same. If, you know... And cinemas are still planning to reopen by then. But it's just... it's kept its release date hasn't it yeah it, it never changed at any point and i i've probably told you about this before but have you seen that thing where that one of the heads at imax said no one's working harder to fix cinemas than christopher nolan he's <laughs> like what's he doing trying to find a vaccine <laughs> <laughs> he's keeping he's keeping film alive joe he's not shooting on digital oh dear i'm really sorry guys if you hear the occasional burp i made the uh the bad mistake of having a vanilla coke instead of a water. Sorry, guys. That's <laughs> lovely audio to hear. Um, we anyway. should have picked two films that begin with B. Ah, uh, oh dear. This, anyway. <laughs> the, so, <laughs> the date of recording today is the 10th of June, and yes. the time of recording is 3.15. Yep. Um, we are recording on a different day today. We are recording on a Wednesday, and if you have or have not heard already, we released last week's episode today wednesday the 10th um as last week was quite a heavy week for everyone at the moment mm. and i think considering what's happened with george floyd and and black lives Matter, we didn't want to do any promoting during yeah that time. it didn't It'd feel right sensitive yeah 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 and you know like yes podcasts and films and a lot of stuff are escapism from the world but we shouldn't have escapism from this and we should talk about this and mm. you know touch upon it and you know that's what we're doing one of these films today because i think it fits perfectly with everything that's going on right now mm-hmm. um and it, it's a se- essential watching but i guess for now what to say as a, a caveat before we start off is just you know continue listening to black voices sign petitions sign petitions yeah. and donate and uh, there is a great article on Vox about how to protest safely during a pandemic with the right uh, face masks and PPE and hand sanitizers. I just want to make sure everyone's safe at the moment. Mm-hmm. Obviously, do protest. I just want to make sure that everyone's safe at the moment uh, and doing so, um, which for the most part, everyone has been. So thank you, everyone that's protesting at the moment. Um, 
if for some reason in England you're thinking it's, you know, a smaller issue here than it is in America, it's, it's not, very much not the case. It's not, no. You know, we, we, we've had similar cases with Stephen Lawrence, Smiley Culture, Mark Duggan, and even recently, Belly Majinga, who got spat on and contract, like, contracted coronavirus and her case was closed. It, like, it's, it's fucking appalling. Mm. Um, I, yeah, so please... Please, please, please listen to Black Voices and sign petitions, and you know, and donate to yeah. causes. Don't Black just Lives Matter. Let, yeah, yeah. Don't just let this die down for a week because this isn't just a week for yeah black black people at the moment. Is the uh, bailout thing still going on? I think that's uh, what in terms of like donating to it. Yeah. Uh, yes, there is. So yeah. in general, if you type up Black Lives Matter card on Google, you usually get two websites that link you to all of the places to help so in terms of petitions and donating and people's bail um there are facebook fundraisers as well on how to donate mm. to people in america that have been injured during protests and can't get their health care um yeah most i will try and link all these into our spotify bio however there's been like because it our spotify layout kind of compacts the bio together it it might be a case of just copying uh, our link and pasting it in instead of a hyperlink. But in general, just, you know... Just keep your go, eyes out, you know? Yeah, just keep... and, and type up on Google Black Lives Matter card and, like, the two first things that pop up will take you to everywhere you need to go. Yes. Um, yeah, that's, I think, mainly what I wanted to say. Um, yeah, just continue listening to Black Voices. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, educate yourself, like, watch black films... Re- read like read books you know um and yeah i think i I, in general this film is one of my favorite films but i think this film is essential viewing and especially vital right now so we'll just get into it immediately the first film of the day is actually before we get into the film uh in general the theme of this we were trying to decide as to whether or not it's underrated films or overlooked films or just hidden gems because the underrated term is a bit... I think we, we agreed on overlooked in the end, didn't right. we? Because not, right. not all of them are necessarily underrated, the ones we're talking about, but they're not as recognised, right. I think. They're not in the, the public eye a lot. Yeah. Right, so yeah, I say overlooked slash hidden gems, would you say? or? Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, we'll get on to what I think about all the films later. But <laughs> right. <laughs> I wouldn't call all three maybe hidden gems, but I would definitely say that they're overlooked and lesser known and you should check them out you know definitely broaden and your, we broaden your view yeah and um with this episode these these all these uh these three films today are available on netflix and amazon prime yes so so and they sorry might not be if, for if much you, longer so true that's the thing with amazon prime is yeah limited it's viewing. fickle yeah but, <laughs> yeah should we should we get off into start off from yes. the first film today so our first film today is blind spotting which I believe came out in 2017, 2018, I think, yeah. Yeah, around that time. Um, sorry, guys, excuse me. Oh, <laughs> why did I pick this drink? You I'm sorry. Right. mistake. <laughs> I really did. Um, could you describe the plot for me as I forgot to copy and paste it into my notes? <laughs> <laughs> so this is a film that's set in Oakland, I believe. Yes. yes. And it's um, our main character is played by... David Diggs and he's on parole basically he's mm-hmm. just been let out on parole and he's got three days until his parole ends yes and because he's a, a black person 
he's basically trying very hard not to get put in jail again. Right, and especially in America, just with the label of being a convicted felon. Yeah, and and that not coming off. Yeah, and his yeah. friend, played by Raphael Cassell, who is a yeah. white man, keeps basically almost getting him into trouble. And the dynamic, the whole film is basically the dynamic between those two of him trying right. to stay out of trouble and his friend almost getting him into trouble, basically. And it's yeah, right. Especially uh, um, as, so they, they both, um, they're movers, they move furniture for people and they help people move out. And one day Colin is driving back home by himself and he witnesses a, a black man get shot by the police mm. uh, unjustly. And it's about, you know, the trauma that comes from that and the, you know, anxiety and PTSD that comes from that. And yet he can't speak out about it yeah. because it will get him into trouble. Yeah. Yeah. This film is a very heavy film. However, it's also got a lot of moments of comedy and humour. Mm. I, I think it's a very good mix of drama and comedy. Yeah. For, it's for something... It's such a visceral film, and yet the characters are fun. The, the, it's, very, it, it's very vibrant in terms of the colour. It's great. It's, it's very heightened, I think. It's, it's interesting. So this was my uh, rewatch of this film, because right. I'd seen it before about a year ago. And I liked it a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was a great film. I thought its message was very well told. But mm. I think on second watch, I realised how much of a masterpiece it was and I didn't yeah. get that on first watch. I enjoyed it on first watch because, you know, you, like you say, you appreciate everything about it. But there's, I think it's just little things you come to appreciate more on the second watch. Yeah, so I think, definitely. like, so obviously to distill this film down to its core components, it is basically the dynamic between these two people, he's trying to stay out of trouble, right. his friend's getting into trouble, and it deals with it. It builds tension so well in that. because are 100%. Yeah. It's, it's almost like it's Hitchcockian, isn't it? I know you, I, I know you funny, don't like director verbs, but it's... No, no, it's, it's <laughs> funny you mention that, because one, one, of, one of my notes is that there's a really nice Hitchcock-type shot in, in a graveyard. Um, yes. So basically... So basically uh, the film usually goes about uh, how how Colin's day day to day life is and his routine, and a lot of his routine involves him like waking up and going for a run. And as you know, the days go on, and he's had this incident happen. It shows how that routine gets slowly changed, and how he gets more traumatized and starts to see things. And there's a great shot that reminds me of a shot of um, that Hitchcock did in *Strangers on a Train* on the tennis court. Mm. Uh, which is I don't know how to explain the shot itself, but it's this nice tracking shot. But I it had there's a similar shot in Blind Spot and in the graveyard at where it shows the amount of like black people he sees in graves, and it's it's a perfect shot. It's and, it's great, yeah, yeah. It's it's really well done, and it's ironic because there's a scene where they uh, talk profanely. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> they say they say, they fuck, say Hitchcock. fuck Hitchcock. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> a little bit <laughs> of irony like, there. They're like uh, the, so. There's a scene where Rafael Casals trying to sell some some hair straighteners to to a hairdresser, and she was like, you know, don't put me on edge. I hate suspense. Fuck Hitchcock. <laughs> fuck M Night Shyamalan. It's, yes. And it's a hilarious scene. Um, but yeah, I, I realize yeah. how serious we sound about this, which is contrasting, you know, the humor in this film. But like, it really is a fun film, what, despite yeah. it being heavy. What I love about it is that. Because I love films that are as entertaining as they are informative, or they find a way to be entertaining 100%. through being yeah. informative. Because, like I said, it's a very... Like, I was talking about how this film distilled down to its 
elements is about these two characters and it's so right. efficiently told in a way the tension builds yeah. so well it kind of when i saw it for a second time it kind of reminded me of um a serious man the coen okay. brothers film because it's about I, I don't know if you've seen it yet but it's basically the same thing about this guy who's just trying to be good but is right. constantly tested by the world around him and it yeah. builds tension and humor in the same way really well at the same time it's like the very at the beginning of the film when he's in the car with his two friends and he's trying to be good and law-abiding, but they uh, keep getting guns out and... Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, and I don't want to spoil he's... it, but... No, no, it's okay. <laughs> so basically, like, Colin is on parole... Uh, probation? Yeah. Or parole? Yeah, sorry, I forgot the right word or not. But, um, sorry, excuse me. Jesus. Um, but, again, his friends keep testing him, and there's a scene in the car where there's guns involved, yeah. and it's, it's, you know, it's suspenseful for him, but it's played comedic. Yeah, it's kind of and like, it's, it's it's like literally a farce, the perfect mix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. heightened, but it's not ridiculous in that sense. It's right. a very, very well balanced film, I think. It's right. just so well told. And th- um, there's also little things as well, like how the tension's built. Like near the end, they one of the uh, characters gets into a fight, which obviously puts him on edge. But right. then to build on top of that, a car alarm goes off, which puts him on edge even more. And it's just subtle. Little yeah. things like that, which I really loved yeah. about this. It's it's really, really well done. Yeah, definitely. And it gives the, you anxiety. The performances in this film. So David Diggs and Rafa Kazal not only produced it, but they wrote it as well, as well as starring as the two friends. Mm. And their performances are so good. They are, aren't they? Because I, 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 we both saw an interview with uh, Rafael Kazal recently. Oh my God. And he's so different in real life yeah. to how he is in the film. You, you would think... <laughs> The performance is done so well, you'd think he speaks like that and is like that yeah. in general. And yet he's the polar opposite in real life. Mm. And it, it just, you know, shows range. Um, he's in uh, Bad Education with Hugh Jackman uh, recently. I want to, like, it's meant to be a really good performance. I want to mm. check it out just to see what he does next. In general, I really want these guys to write more films together and see what they do next. Because David Diggs, you may know him from Hamilton or... Uh, the the group clipping the music group, mm. um, and he's he's getting more roles now. He he was recently in the Snowpiercer TV series. Yes, yeah. Um, but I really want them to write more films together. I really just can't wait to see what they do next. Mm. And it's well directed um, as well. I think like, it is. Obviously, yes. the the writing is kind of the star of the film, but it also because right. it's kind of it's directed kind of like a music video in a way, right? But in a good way because it's very heightened, yeah. very yeah, sort of. Well, it's just stylistic. Uh, flashy, stylistic, yeah. Because the yeah. director of this, Carlos Lopez Estrada, I believe, yes. yeah. he's directed a few music videos in the past, and I think, is this his yeah. first feature film? This is his first feature, yeah. and he's, he's got a, a new feature coming out soon. Yeah. Uh, and I believe he is doing the Robin Hood remake. Yeah. So I will need to see those two films in order to see how much of Blind Spotting is mm. his voice mixed with the writers, because knowing like clipping and David Diggs I, I very much see this film as David Diggs and Rafael Casals mm. more more than the directing and of course the direction is there uh, I just need to see more of his voice in I, I know what you mean yeah see. the writing is kind of more um, it's more sort of noticeable and it kind of right. is like I said it's the star of the film but again yeah it it's really really well directed like there's a, a shot that I didn't notice the first time but I noticed on a rewatch when like right. we said because he sees a um um, the main character, Dave, uh, David Digg, sees a guy get shot by a policeman. Right. And that shot where you see that happen, it's so well-framed because you have him in the truck, then you have yeah. the police officer shooting him, and then you see in the mirror 
of the truck, the guy getting shot, and it's all there in one yeah. shot. Oh, it's really good. It's just perfect. I'm not fun. doing it justice by explaining it, but it's no, no, <laughs> go, it's, go see. It. In general, like out of all the films today, I'd say this is the film I 100% implore people to watch. Yeah, I've been absolutely like harassing people to watch this film because <laughs> um, like it, it's it's on Netflix and it's getting a bigger audience on Netflix, but. When it came out, no one really saw it. It didn't make a lot of money. And it's not even hugely popular on Netflix at the moment. And I mm. think... I, I, I haven't seen The 13th or When They See Us. And those are the go-tos uh, at, at the moment as to yeah. watching things that are going on right now in order to better educate yourself. And I'm sure they're great and I need to watch them. But I, blind spotting is 100% should be in that conversation and yeah. in that bracket. Because it's it just shows what is happening today basically and how it's like and even just some other so it has other themes that you know to better talk about them I need to learn more about them but the way it deals with gentrification particularly in Oakland and then also cultural appropriation as well is just one dealt with comedically very well and then just it's very layered at the same time especially with the character of Miles who he's you know he's white in a predominantly black neighborhood and he's like they talk about uh you know how oakland has been gentrified and and they often joke about it's how it's been invaded with hipsters yeah and how you know miles has struggled to be considered he's respect respected amongst his friends and and that he's you know he's worried about being thrown in that bracket with with Mm. you know the quote-unquote hipsters and it perfectly just deals with race relations in my opinion mm. uh, and, and the suspense from that scene with with miles and some quote-unquote hipsters is this just perfectly built up yeah uh, and just the relationship between miles and colin played by david diggs is just perfect yeah and you know there there, there is the struggle of this character being like of miles being a liability but you know they're they've been best mates for life and he's very loyal to him and it's you know, mm. it just shows that they have this really strong friendship and that, you know, even if he's volatile, you know, he's there for him. Yeah. And and he can't necessarily help him in certain situations because then Colin has the risk of going back to jail. And David Diggs was talking about it in the interview that we were watching, how certain parole laws in America, like, you can go back to jail for having a, just a walking a pit bull. Yeah. Because of certain states not allowing that. And he didn't, and the and the, and certain people like he was talking about a real life situation where a person didn't know that until you know their parole officer offhandedly told that. Mm. And there's a great scene with a parole officer in this film where, like, he tells Colin, you know, ah, oh, you know, it's your last day in this halfway house, but you will always be a convicted felon. And how that, you know, that's just like a dark cloud that looms over him. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's just it's dealt with so well. It's really good. Opinion. There are I've made some notes because there are a few. Mm-hmm quite subtle motifs in the film throughout that I noticed mm-hmm. on the second watch but didn't on the first watch. Like, I think I was telling you that it, the other day there's a motif with trees that I didn't right. notice on the first yeah. watch but did on the second. So there's a scene in the film where they go, because they, um, they go to someone's house to move some photographs for this guy. Right. This, he, does, yeah. he does these big framed portrait, yeah. portrait photographs and one of them, he explains, is of... Um, oak trees i think that used Mm. to grow in oakland but don't anymore because they've been built on and stuff like that right and yeah it seemed like it was again trying to be a metaphor for the oppression of minority culture in in oakland and then the metaphor uh, the motif is revisited later on when they're at a party and right 
there's um one of them has a table that's made of a stump from an oak tree and it's kind of like yeah I, I don't know and, and the the guy that owns it is like act like he's like oh i've only just moved here but i feel like i found my calling in oakland <laughs> with, the, with this oakland tree and like yeah. amongst the people that actually live there and it's like it was dude. interesting because it's like it's because the stump of the tree it's sort of him saying like he acknowledges that there are there is racial oppression but it's he doesn't do anything about it he's yeah. kind of just saying like he, he just oh, kind of owns cool it. stump i have it, it, yeah even though it's, it's representative of a dead tree you know right yeah it's, it's so yeah. good i and another all, yeah. sorry go ahead no go i was ahead. just gonna say there's another one again where they're moving these uh portrait photos yeah. and there's um i think i told you about this there's one there's a portrait of a, a black man and they uh, there's this like red bar over his eyes yeah they're like they're the red it. covering the tape red that covering tape yeah. yeah and it's like i only noticed that on the second watch it's just little yeah. things like yeah. that that really make it yeah and another motif i, I like in this film is uh, it's said in the dialogue how people mm. only listen to when it seems pr- when it sounds pretty yeah and and because basically there's a scene there's two scenes where miles tries to sell stuff because they're trying to make more money outside mm. of moving and he, in order to sell what he what he's selling he raps about it and makes it sound pretty and and basically that motif is brought up when when you know they talk about the real issues and it's like they'll they'll only listen when it sounds pretty mm. um especially with like the because so uh, miles and colin during when they move stuff they often freestyle rap to themselves they'll freestyle about what's going on just to get through the day and you know for other films where a character is to you know just outright say the themes it wouldn't fit um however because these characters are rappers and are rapping about it it fits mm. and especially towards the final scene the final scene is golden we won't spoil it ter- but it's, we won't it's but great in, in, i agree do yeah. not do what people did with marriage story and watch a scene out of context on twitter or youtube yeah. because the and uh, like the final scene does pop up on youtube when you type the film and you should you just shouldn't watch it out of context you yeah. need to watch the final scene what after the whole film and it's just the perfect amount of suspense i've seen this film three three times yeah i, I guess and I still feel on edge when watching that scene and, mm. and watching a lot of this film. It's it's gone into my top like four or five favorite films. It is. It's great. It's really it's, really it's, well it's just perfect in my opinion. And I was worried about talking about it in terms of I'd just be gushing over the film, but <laughs> I th- yeah. I can't implore people to watch this film enough. No, uh, I agree. I strongly recommend it. And that whole thing you were saying about they only listen when it's pretty, that's kind of... It's right. a metaphor for the whole film, really, isn't it? Because the right. film delivers yeah, cause the film looks pretty in a very just... entertaining way. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of um, kind of self-cynical in that sense, but... Definitely, yeah. Very, um, very good. So here's, a, here's Joe's fun fact of the day. Um, so with regards to the music in this film, they released two separate EPs. Uh, so blind spotting Colin and blind spotting miles. And they're meant to be themed for each person. Hmm. And I, th- I just thought that was a really cool. That is really cool. I know. I'm, I think there might be a separate soundtrack, but I just, I just thought that was pretty cool. Hmm. Um, and I think they have, uh, David Diggs and Raphael cause I'll rap on both. Just, I just thought it was a yeah. cool thing. I think I've seen um, bits of it. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. So, in general, when it comes to comparing films, the awkward side of it is that, you know, saying something is the next something is a detriment to both things, but I generally think blind spotting is like this generation's do the right thing mm. in terms of how it deals with these issues. Yeah. 
it, they, it deals with the same issues, but in terms of under a modern lens. I, ha- I haven't seen Friday, but ever, everyone says like this is a more dramatic Friday, and I, I can't attest to that because I haven't seen Friday. And, and again, with comparing films, you don't want to, you know, put one over the other or right, make one yeah. a detriment to But I know what other. you're trying to say, yeah. Yeah, and, you know... It's a film obviously that Obviously, watch do the themes. right thing, but yeah. what, like, it, in terms of modern day dealing with race relations and, and Black Lives Matter, this is the film to watch mm. as well as do the right thing. But yeah. definitely watch this. Um, yeah, um... What else was I going to say? So the shots in this, uh, we've talked about it before, are just brilliant in terms of the amount of neon lighting and how, how they make Oakland look. Mm. Um, the way that, yeah, again, they, they talk about like Colin's worries after uh, about life after prison and how he's just trying to keep a level head throughout. Yeah, It, it just works brilliantly for suspense. Um, yeah, I... I'm running out of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd, I've got other notes, but I don't want to spoil the film too much, really. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Just like um, things about scenes. But yeah, honestly, yeah, I agree. I can't recommend this film enough. It's very, very good. Yeah. And watch it, it a couple of times, I would say. because Oh, definitely. It, there, it, there, it works it, on rewatch, definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of subtle things in the film that warrant a second watching. Definitely, yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, it's on Netflix. You have mm. no excuse, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's like, not that long either. It's 90 minutes. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, it's just a very good, like, indie film. Like, it's a low budget and it it looks beautiful. Mm. <laughs> um, what was the budget yeah. of it? Do you know? <laughs> Funnily enough, I don't. But I just know, <laughs> in comparison to other films, it's on a, on a lower budget. If you want an interesting double bill, double bill this with Sorry to Bother You, which is also set in Oakland and is about similar issues. They were filmed around the same time. Mm. They released in the same year, I think, weren't they? Yes, yes. Um, I I think that would be a a really nice double bill. I still have yet Um, to see Sorry to Bother You. Watch it. I I tried to watch it. I got it on DVD, but my (laughs) DVD doesn't work. Okay, fair (laughs) enough. It's on Canopy. Oh, okay. Excellent. Yeah. I'll, um, um, I'll give it a visit. Yeah. Um, I just, I really can't wait to see what they do next. Mm. It's going to be hard to top this, I think, because they've... Yeah, of course. Yeah. But, <laughs> it, it's, you know, it depends on whether or not, you know, they do they write their next film with uh, Carlos Lopez Estrada directing, or if, mm. they, if they write for other directors, themselves. or if they direct themselves. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the director does next. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, oh, I completely forgot what I was going to say. I was going to say something. Uh, just continue watching whatever David Diggs and Rafael Casal do next. So Rafael Casal is in Bad Education. Um, Snowpiercer, the TV series, has had mixed reviews, but I, you know, David Diggs is just a great actor, and I great. highly recommend checking out whatever he does. Listen to Clipping. You know, yeah. there's great albums. He's great in Hamilton, you know. What's also great about this film, just one last thing, is that mm-hmm. so in the interview we watched with uh, David Diggs and Raphael Cazal, mm-hmm. they uh, pointed out the fact that they wrote this film like nearly yes. 20 years before it and was released. And it's still prevalent And they issues. basically didn't change it. Like, I yes. think they said 90% of it was first draft, so it just shows yeah. that, you know, it, these, yeah. these issues aren't changing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, like same thing. What I was saying with Spike Lee is, yeah. you know, these issues were talked about in Do the Right Thing and Black Klansman. You yeah, know. and that was nineteen eighty nine. Do the right thing. So it's like yeah. you know, 
30 years ago. It's maddening. Mm. And, you know, just... We can't afford to get desensitised to this. Because it happens countless amounts of times where it can be desensitising. We shouldn't be desensitised to this. Mm. We shouldn't have to... We should, like... We can't escape from this. We've got to acknowledge this. So, please... Just keep signing petitions, keep donating, protest safely. Uh, safely? Safely, sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. I just, um, my energy at the moment. That's it's, okay. <laughs> it's, it's been, a, last week was hard. And in general, it's just really great today. And, and, and while this film is very visceral and, you know, dramatic, I, you have, like, please watch it mm. because... It's it's eye opening in terms of how things are right now, and it, it yeah, and it's it's just a great film, and I more people need to watch it. They do. That's all, it's overlooked. I, <laughs> very, it's the most overlooked film on this list. Yes, I'd say. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's would, on Netflix. I, so. I give it. You know, we don't do ratings usually. I give it a five out of five. If you want to better educate yourself on things that are going on right now, please watch this film. Um, Great performances, great soundtrack, great cinematography, great writing. Everything I, fits together. Everything's really well. great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's my wrap up with blind spotting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would just mirror that basically. Um, watch <laughs> it. Wa- uh, watch it. Watch it multiple times. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just go and see it. You won't be bored by it. It's not. Like it, it has serious themes, but it deals with them in a way that's very accessible and, right. You know, you, it's yeah. a very good watch. Yeah, I think I can hear your mum, Matt. That's my sister. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, yeah, I hope. Hopefully, you guys have listened to uh, our. Well, it'll be uploaded today. Our previous episode with Teresa Parkinson. That was just, I one of my favorite experiences on the podcast. Oh, she enjoyed it as well. She had a very good it, time. It was such a good episode it was so interesting hearing more about Polish cinema and yeah yeah so listeners if you've just listened to this episode and, and not the previous one I highly recommend it um we will you know from now on be fit like stay in line with our regular scheduled programming it's just you know last week was just not the right time to be promoting at the moment mm-hmm. um but yeah I hope your mic doesn't pick up what your, what your family are talking about I, I hope you're right <laughs> Yeah, it'd be fine. Be this fine. is where, you know, something scandalous pops up. I did tell her I was recording, so it's, it's fine. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, should we go on to our next film of the day? Yes, let us go on Perfect. to our next film. So this film is not The Senator. Um, this is, is Bernie. <laughs> it is Bernie. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Why the Senator? Is he the Senator of California? Bernie Sanders? No? I'm an idiot. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was doing a really dumb Bernie Sanders joke. No, it's all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> where is he the senator? I really, I should have known. I'm not where... sure. Anyway, it's not Bernie I'm Sanders, not but it's called Bernie. Uh, it's about Bernie Tide rather than Bernie, Bernie Teeter. Sand- Bernie Teeter. Yes. Not Tide. Tide Pods. He's not a Tide Pod. Um, <laughs> he is... <laughs> nope. <laughs> I was going to say he's a murderer. Um... Anyway, so this is a Richard Linklater film. I, what year did this come out? 2011, I think. 2011. That's what and most it's, sources say. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a mockumentary dark comedy about uh, Bernie Teeter. It's a true life story uh, about a funeral director slash 
you know, a guy that embalms bodies and in general this really upstanding member of the the community in Carthage, Texas, which is a very small place in Texas. And I was I was worried about whether or not how much of this plot we can talk about, but we can because it's a true story. It's and... it's said in the description as well. The main yeah. twist. Well, not really so twist, but yeah. it's it's not a twist in terms of it's a real life thing. So basically, yeah, yeah. Bernie Teeter was this very flamboyant, upstanding member of the community in Carthage. He just loved giving to 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 the community, and he yeah he was the local funeral director. He directed plays. You know he he did everything. And he was known as, like, the nicest guy in Carthage. And at some point, he met Marjorie Nugent, who was supposedly the worst person in Carthage, and that everyone in Carthage hated. But it's about their, like, unlikely friendship and how that kind of goes pear-shaped when she eventually drives him up the wall and he, in his nice character, does something out of the blue and he kills her. And it's kind of... It's a dark comedy about the gossip around that and uh, and you know bernie teeter as a person and the people around him do you would you say that's pretty much what it is yeah i I would say that's that's pretty much what it is yeah right um my main takeaway from this film is that if you like jack black watch this film it's a great jack black performance Mm. um it's he doesn't do a lot of dramatic performances and this is dark comedy yeah yeah but he you know he's doing a lot and it, it, he's like it he's he's the main highlight for me it, and you know he's even doing some great accent work and, and whatnot mm. but he spent a lot of time yeah. with the real bernie teeter um he did in and that, preparation that real, for this i wanted to get into the ethics behind this film yeah. um i don't know whether this film is for bernie teeter or against bernie teeter i'd say it's absolutely for him Right. Absolutely. Because it... So, um, the film... A large portion of the film is made up of interviews with people, some of which are real people, some of which are actors, who are basically all just praising Bernie, essentially. And even when he's committed the awful crime, it still portrays him in a very, very positive light. So I would say this film is is for him. And the... um, his love interest in the film, Marjorie Nugent, who he yeah. kills, is portrayed the exact opposite way. Not only do, when they cut to those interviews again, of people uh, talking about th- what happened, they not only not only do they say that she was bad, but Linklater also portrays her in a really just irredeemable way. You know, she has no redeemable qualities in the film. Right. Which, is, which is so strange, because... So I watched an interview, if you type up DP30... Richard Linklater and Jack Black and it's an interview about that I think it's that video anyway there's a bunch of interviews with them too um, he said he wanted to you know tell this film through the gossip through, like through gossip so that the viewer can judge for themselves yeah. as to whether or not it was a right thing or a wrong thing however a lot of the gossip is you know ta- like the townspeople in Texas just berating Marjorie Nugent yeah. and saying you know I would have shot her for like five dollars, and I'm. I guess that's where the comedy comes from, and it is a dark comedy. However, I'd say it's way more for Bernie than it is for Marjorie. I just I I found it all to be kind of surface level a bit. Like I I wasn't a right. big fan of this film. I thought as a comedy, it wasn't that funny. Uh, there okay. there were two lines of dialogue that I've written down that genuinely made me laugh. <laughs> that okay. <laughs> that aren't spoilers. So there's a line at the beginning when they have these interviews with people. 
and one mm-hmm. of them is talking about how great Carthage is, and they bring up this book that says, oh yeah, Carthage is so great. It appears in this book called uh, Greatest Places in America, Volume 2. And it's like, <laughs> I, I found that kind of funny. And there's another one where, after he's killed Marjorie, um, someone's ringing him, saying like, oh, where, where's Marjorie? I haven't spoken to her in over five weeks. I've left her 11 messages. And that's, I thought that was kind of funny as well. But apart from those two lines of dialogue, I didn't find it... I, that funny yeah. I just I don't know like a lot of it came down to the pacing of it I think because a lot of the film a lot of the first half of the film is basically just introductions to these two characters right. it's just people saying oh yeah. Bernie's lovely Marjorie's a piece of shit and a lot of the film is just that really and then when you finally get to the killing it feels kind of out of place like it wasn't set up properly and I know it's probably what happened but I think you know as a director and a writer you should probably go the extra mile to because it, it kind of harkens back to our discussion we had um in a previous episode about um being entertaining pl- as well as being informative you know as well as yes, telling the truth yeah. and i think this film probably leans more towards being informative because i i watched it and i thought this is just ridiculous this, this film. <laughs> but then i realized how accurate it was right but i still wasn't convinced by it and i, I don't know if that's how because of how Linklater directed it, or because of, you know, right. the weird pacing of it. I I don't know. What 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 did you think? Uh, in terms of how how they I mean, dealt d- with did it, you or... enjoy the film? Did you think it was? I enjoyed it. I it doesn't have a lot of staying power. No, know? I was like, similar to another film today. I was struggling to come up with notes for it. So uh, sorry, oh, I'm just next getting <laughs> getting into a, a little. My housemates are being loud. I'm telling them to. Be quiet. Mm. Um, there we go. I heard another door slam. Sick. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, enjoy, I, I'm a massive Jack Black fan, and I love it when comedians give dramatic performances. So that's the main reason I went to watch this film. Mm. Um, I, I'm really silly. I didn't know Shirley MacLaine was in the apartment. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, that is an actor's dream, my dude. Yeah. I, I'm sure Jack Black was having the time of his life being her scene partner. <laughs> Um, I I think the performances are good for the most part. Um, I like Shirley MacLaine, even though her character is you know stereotypical. I think yeah, she's evil. A, it's a this. poorly written character, but Shirley MacLaine is a very very talented actress. You know. Yes. So. Yeah. Um. I. So. Yeah. It mixes real life people uh, with actors in a mockumentary sense, similar to you know, uh, well not mockumentary for the other examples, but similar to like Safdie Brothers and Scorsese. Mm. Um, but yeah, in but in this one, it's a mockumentary, and for the most part, it works uh, with Jack Black and Shirley MacLaine and others because they're not in a lot of scenes with real life people, except for one with Jack Black at the end with a with a, a person named Kay Epperson. Yeah. Um, but when Matthew McConaughey shows up and he's you know acting with the real life people, it didn't work for me because I just see Matthew McConaughey. I, I don't. It was odd because he's the he's character. A, he's, on the, he's on the poster for the film, but he shows up in like the last third of the film, doesn't right? He? And I think they wanted to do that as like a looming thing of like you know show Han Solo at the end, nah, or show, I think like, was, or show I think you know Chris Evans later. I on think it's or... more cynical than that. I think it was just because of star power, and they thought, hey, this, yeah, this guy's well known. Let's slap well, him on the I mean, poster. So, so <laughs> not necessarily in the sense of so Matthew McConaughey and Jack Black have worked with Richard Linklater before, and yeah. I think he likes just to work with the same actors again. Yeah. Um, For but yeah, it years. just. <laughs> yeah, um, I I just it. 
it worked with Jack Black. It didn't work with Matthew McConaughey, and that's not a diss to Matthew McConaughey. I just yeah. It, I just saw him. I didn't see the character. Whereas with Bernie, there's Jack Black isms in him, but I I saw that Jack Black was doing a character and was you know yeah really you know trying. I think my um, yeah. So what did you think of like the dark comedy of this? I again I didn't find it overly funny. There are, there are a couple of funny bits, but because of just how kind of poorly the characters were written it, none of it really landed for me like i think the main issue i had with this film is that because richard linklater is a naturalist by nature right. really isn't he? he he makes films that aren't necessarily tightly written or well plotted but they're very natural it's like the before trilogy right. is just two people talking i mean not always uh, though he does like you know scanner darkly and, uh, and some others i guess i mean i haven't seen a scanner darkly yet but i i suppose right. school of rock is probably the least link film of his i've seen it's more of a main, mainstream industry film yeah it's like in the sense that it's actually like entertaining and has a plot <laughs> i, do I don't mean it like that like no, I think Richard Linklater is a very good director, and I respect what he's doing. He's, you know, you right. have a lot of directors like this who uh, strive for naturalisms like Noah Baumbach and Mike Lee. Right. I'm not dissing that at all. I just think it went a bit too far with this film in particular, okay. because I think he was relying solely on the people he interviewed for this right. film. And it's like, you you can also write... I a, think a if you don't know that well. watching it, it doesn't really work if you don't know it beforehand. No, like you could ju- you could just think it's because it's such a mix. Yeah. Um, so I found out that Linklater actually because I guess oh yeah Bernie what so originally Linklater is from Texas Bernie's mm. from Texas and it was quite a massive case at the time so massive that uh, you know at the time Linklater was actually at the trial. That oh, really? Bernie Tito was at. <laughs> yeah he actually wow. attended the trial and uh, again later on in this film they they established that. Richard Linklater and Jack Black actually met with with Bernie and whatnot. Oh, yeah, no, um, I'm, I'm sure they did their research, but I just think right. they relied solely on that research rather than making it kind of right. entertaining, cohesive whole. Like, you know, they were just relying on, on facts alone, basically, which makes for something that's informative but not necessarily entertaining, I think. Would, have it, would it work more as a, just a plain old documentary? Maybe, it might have done, you know? Because I, I like the mixing of the styles here. It, again, becomes an issue ethics-wise because, you know, Marjorie Nuja doesn't get to speak to it for herself and this film is called Bernie and is very for him mm. and it's meant to be played up for interpretation but it, it doesn't play like that to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I Yeah, I think it was a little bit... She was a bit too... I don't know how unlikable she was in real life but it's just her character just seemed very surface level. Maybe it would have worked better as a documentary, you know? Maybe. Because right. maybe it, gonna... you could sort of palette the insanity of it better. It's like something with Tiger King. I'm not sure if that would work well as right. fiction, but because it's a documentary, there's a kind of... Another... This whole, like, what, truth is stranger than fiction thing. Yeah. 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 Sorry, and... for two seconds, I'm going to quickly take my jumper off so oh, I can take my headphones out. <laughs> it's boiling. Um... Do, 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 do. I'm stalling, I'm stalling, my headphones are disgusting. Um, anyway. <laughs> but I agree with what you said earlier about this film doesn't have a lot of staying power, I think. Right. So this is, is the tricky thing with certain films that are overlooked or underrated. So I heard, a, heard about this being underrated from... So Mark Kermode and Jack Howard have a podcast called 
Kermode on Film, I believe. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the podcast. But they had a podcast about underrated films, and this was one of them. I, I think it was Jack Howard that suggested this one, um, as because uh, they, they would go back and forth. Um, right. You know, I can see why this film is overlooked. Like, it's not, you know... It's not like, hey, watch this film. <laughs> no, it kind of it was kind of swept I, under I, the rug. I think. Yeah, yeah, I personally just want to watch it for Jack Black and his performance, yeah. and in general, I just love it when comedians do uh, dramatic performances. And I, he's been in dramatic stuff before, but this is like a good mix of Jack Blackisms with you know some dark stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. No, he um, is he is very good in the film. I'll I'll give it yeah. that. I think that he was my favorite part of the film. Right, it's a it's a good performance. It's very watchable. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing with Linklater, he actually has a cameo in this film. Does he? Yeah. So, so there's a scene where uh, I believe Matthew McConaughey's cop is called Danny Buck, and he's talking about how he managed to arrest so many people at the same time by having a hands on a car competition and to never oh, take your yes. hands off. Uh, if you take your hands off, you lose the car. Yeah. And Richard Linklater is one of the people with the hands on the car. Uh, I just thought that was I didn't a nice that. little, yeah. little tidbit. But I just I do want um, to clarify. Yeah. I do like Richard Linklater as a director. Same. same. I yeah. just I don't think his sort of all natural style worked <laughs> very well here. That's fair. Um, so funnily enough, Mark, Mark Como called Richard Linklater's style predictably unpredictable because like he has on a, that. I think in terms of. So, I guess similar to Soderbergh, how varied his filmography is, because mm. he he does experiment quite a bit. Like School of Rock is his most mainstream, quote unquote, normal film. Yeah. But then you got like Boyhood, and then you have A Scanner Darkly and Waking Life, where it's all like animated and and, and some other stuff. It's but, animated, um, but isn't it still meant to be sort of isn't wrote, the dialogue naturalistic and, and right, right, um, yeah, like tonally, his films are quite similar. True. I think from what yeah. I've seen. Well, I guess that's probably what he meant with the predictable part, and then unpredictable being the style, I guess. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. But my main takeaway with this film is just watch it if you like Jack Black, and if you want to see what he does in this role. And if um, you want to learn a bit about Carthage and yes, yeah. events. Because I, 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 I know they hated this film. <laughs> some did, yeah. I read that some people didn't like this film, but I'm worried if that's a bit misleading, because I suppose you right. know, take a hundred people and they'll all have different opinions. I don't know if that they're speaking on behalf of all of Carthage, you know. But. Right. I, I I saw, like, a mini, like, YouTuber made doc uh-huh. where the guy was interviewing, like, some of the real people that weren't played, like, they didn't star in it. They didn't appear in the film, yeah. Yeah. And they, they felt a bit iffy. I think they felt iffy about it being a dark comedy. Yeah. Given the real-life situation. But I think you're always going to get that controversy with true life crime stories mm. especially when they you know when they're dark comedies I'm, I can't think you know maybe this isn't a dark comedy but in, like uh, so what's what's the Zac Efron Ted Bundy film it's such a long title extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile such a long title <laughs> speaking and, of long titles <laughs> yeah but um, like I know people didn't there was controversy about you know Zac Efron playing Ted Bundy I can there's see, always going to be controversy with those issues I can see why they made this film a dark comedy it, it, um, it's it's because yeah because the guy because the guy has so many occupations and he's such a nice guy but at the end of the day he killed someone and had someone in a freezer for nine months right but also just like um, 
at the end of the film they have the trial with him and even though he's confessed he said I did it I did it I yeah. killed her they're still like yeah we're gonna have a trial anyway because we're not quite sure and I think that's right. kind of the, the comedy well, the, the like, idea so that they well had liked. to move yeah they had to move the trial to a different state because Carthage loves Bernie so much yeah exactly I think that's where the comedy element comes from it's sort of like this guy is so well liked even yeah. though what he did was they're like let him unambiguously let, just, illegal yeah let let him do what he did yeah. so <laughs> I, like, I can see the comedy element in that because it right. is kind of like a farce in a way it is kind of you can derive comedy from it I don't know how respectful it is to the characters uh, not so much to Marjorie really at all <laughs> right uh, yeah. maybe a bit to Bernie again I I don't know what Bernie's the real Bernie uh, T Day's thoughts were on this am I saying his name right. But yeah, Bernie Tita. I Bernie so Tito. he's. I think he's still in jail. His case has been reopened a, a different amount of times, but yeah, I don't know if he's seen it or not. Right. But yeah. I bet he has um, seen it. Yeah. Because he works so closely with Jack Black, I imagine he's, he's right. probably seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I just got <laughs> a mass massive email pop up being like like, is is an application email and they were just harassing me to finish it um, <laughs> anyway um so you mentioned extremely long titles shall we get into yeah this, speaking of long title? titles <laughs> our last film to today should we should i do the the first half of the title and you do the second half? all right so this film is the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford rob ford just rob they, they're like just we're not rob putting an ert <laughs> It's Robert. They're like, Robert is too long. I said Robert. <laughs> no, it's Rob Ford. I... Oh my god. Is it? Yeah. Uh, There's the only like short part of that title. I can't get anything right. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm pretty it's sure okay. it's Robert, but okay. Anyway. Assassin- yeah. Um, the Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Rob. Long title. <laughs> long film. It's a very long film. Anyway. Um... Sorry, real, real quick. Um... So this was actually uh, one of our suggestions through our Instagram. I put yes. out a, a Q&A of, like, which underrated films would you like to see us talk about? And this was one. So shout out Beth Bentley for suggesting this one. Thank you, um, Beth Bentley. Uh, I, yeah, I, it's a long film. It is very long. So just a little bit of um, what this film is about. It's about um, Jesse James, who was an outlaw in the mm. sort of in the Wild West in the 1840s, I believe. Right. Yeah. that sort of time and um he's a very very famous outlaw kind of a mythical figure in the eyes of the right. public and uh robert ford played by casey affleck wants to be a part of his posse basically so he mm. gets recruited by I sh- sorry i forgot to mention jesse james is played by brad pitt in yes. the film yeah and it's all basically it's all about the dynamic between robert ford and jesse james in build up to his Inevitable well, yeah, it's in the, yeah. Luckily, we don't have to worry about spoilers because it's, it's in the title. <laughs> it's in the title. Yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert! There's a an assassination. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah. Sorry, I keep getting burnt. <laughs> anyway, I'm good. I'm alright. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, my first note on here is just the word slow burn. <laughs> it's quite long. I, I so I enjoyed this film overall. I think it's very well directed. It captures the yes. the uh, the sort of mythic atmosphere of the western genre very very well i think andrew dominic who directed it did a good job and obviously mm. you know elephant in the room roger deakins is I think oh was, this is 
I think we said he's the real star of the film, isn't he? Yeah. (laughs) When this got suggested to me, my main takeaway is like, yeah, Deacons. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's one of his most beautiful looking films. It's one of his... um, So there's a very famous scene where Jesse James is robbing a train and you just see the silhouette of him with the smoke in the background. It's a very famous scene. Even if you haven't seen the film, I think you'll probably recognise the scene. But apparently that was one of Deacon's favourite points in his career, crafting that scene. Which you can see why, because it looks fucking gorgeous. <laughs> there is, there's one shot in here that I, I really like, and I don't know what the effect is, and I've seen it in some other films, and I really wish I knew how to properly describe it, but there's a moment where Casey Affleck, who's playing Rob Ford, is, is splashing water on his face, and it, it, there's this weird like slow-mo shutter speed thing and where it just looks way more intense than it should do, and I don't know how to describe that effect, but I've seen it in other films, and I... Wish I knew what it was and how to do it, but yeah, if you, if you get to the point where he's washing his face dramatically, um, and you know what that is, let me know because it's just it looks great and it, that scene builds tension rather well. Yeah. Um, this film was originally four hours long. Fucking hell. <laughs> um, yeah, they you had a four-hour cut that. played at a Tribeca Film Festival, and I know Deacons wants that cut to be released, but Andrew Dominic's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> what well, today still? Uh, yeah, yeah. He said oh, wow. recently in a, in a, I think either his podcast or an interview. Because this film came out like thirteen years ago, so yeah. But I think he, he he was saying that he wanted like Criterion to release yeah the four hour cut, and uh, it's long enough as it is. Like yeah. it's a great slow burn western, yes, but it's, it's I feel long like, in the tooth. <laughs> I feel like I need to watch it a second time because, like you said, it is a slow burn. I I liked it overall because, like I said, right. it's very well directed, and I think the dynamic between Brad Pitt and Casey Affleck is very yeah. good when they're on yeah, the screen definitely. they're both excellent in the film and they do a good job in the scenes with each other but I just the film also spends a lot of time with characters that we don't really care about that much who right. are played by who, yeah sort of lesser known actors because I, I know uh, Sam Rockwell and Jeremy Renner in this but there are also some other actors who play some uh, lesser characters who are important for the plot of the film but we spend quite a bit of time with them and it right. kind of the sort of tension you get with those scenes with Robert Ford and mm. Jesse James is kind of drained a bit with those overly long there's a lot of characters in this film when you think about there it are quite to a the few point where yeah. they, they have Zoe Deschanel at the very very end <laughs> she, and I'm sure in the that. longer cut she has a bigger role but like <laughs> it was jarring it was like oh you, we, it we've was got quite like strange. five minutes yeah, left yeah, yeah. <laughs> she did a Matthew McConaughey in Burning yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it's, it's a yeah it's, it's another a... interesting one because it's again going back to the argument of being inform informative versus being entertaining because i read that right um the descendants of jesse james said that this film was very accurate and is the most accurate depiction the descendants of, of jesse james i guess like well you know people have family <laughs> i know i was about to say like how like very how many years long. is that yeah, yeah. <laughs> But people who are related to him in some way said that this was the most accurate portrayal of his life that they've seen. Because there have been a few films, I think, of Jesse James. And apparently this was the the most accurate one of those. Uh Hmm. So, in such a big... Like, not Hollywood, but like... It's a Brad Pitt-led film. And like there's studios behind this. You'd think a film called The Assassination of Jesse James with a Coward Rob Ford would not sell well as a title, right? Well, it was cra- contractually obliged in, in Brad Pitt's contract that it would be called that. Yeah. 
because I think that's what the book is called, and Brad Pitt wanted that title. Yeah, <laughs> and it's apparently Brad Pitt's favorite film that he's acted. Yeah, in. yeah, I, it's a it's a really good Brad Pitt performance, and it's a he does character a very piece. Good job, yeah, um, and there's a lot. I'm again, I probably need to watch it again. I think I do because as well. there are some different themes, and I saw a video about the editor of the film, uh, uh, Dylan Titchener. Talk, yeah, yeah, talking about how you know having a character like Jesse James talk about suicide is a, such a contrasting thing because his character is meant to be rather tough mm. and he's talking about it in you know, a supportive way. He's not, you know, being, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to word it, but like it was a very like juxtaposing scene. Mm. Um, considering I get, I guess in general is it's the talking about Jesse James later on in his life when he's contemplating, you know, suicide and his his vision is being impaired yeah. and it's getting older. And it goes quite well with the other characters trying to kill him, I guess, doesn't it? Right. Because yeah. the whole point is that uh, Robert Ford finds out that part of his posse realised that there's a price on Jesse James's head. Right. So they're yeah. conspiring to kill him and it's sort of that whole, the tension that builds between who will get there first, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I just, I wish they'd spent more time focusing on how that affected sort of the character relationship between Robert Ford and Jesse James because Robert Ford at the beginning of the film he idolises Jesse James and I think right. finding out this information is such a crucial thing but it, it never seems to be that it's focused on but it's kind of it because the film's quite meandering it never felt it's 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 quite as punchy yeah <laughs> I there, there was some shots in here that were straight up like a Terence Malick film with like the hand <laughs> in the in the wheat field and it's funny it's so, very meant to yeah. be like a poetic film and it has you know narration about Jesse James and yeah yeah his life that kind of adds to days. the atmosphere I think of the western yeah. genre the the narration of it and um, it's funny you mentioned Terence Malick so I read a review of this film where someone said that, oh, Roger Deakins is so good in this film, his cinematography is so great that it's almost as good as Terence Malick's. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> That's like saying, oh my God, Michael Jordan is so good. He's like Larry Bird. He's great. <laughs> I've been watching Last Dance, so I'm just all for the basketball comparisons right now. <laughs> oh, this pizza is amazing. It's almost like a quiche. I love it. <laughs> I could go all day. But do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, who are you really complimenting when you say that? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I haven't seen Andrew Dominic's other films. No. And I need to, and I'm I'm very much looking forward to the Marilyn Monroe biopic he's doing. Mm. But I think in this film, like, we we are joking about Roger Deakins being compared to other things, but Roger Deakins really does, like, over, like, he's the main, apart from Brad Pitt, and Casey Affleck, like the performances, mm. I think Roger Deakins is one of the main draws for this film. Yeah. Because it's such a beautiful looking film. Because it, it was, although it's, it can be called an overlooked film, it did pick up a couple of Oscar nominations right. for Deakins right. and Casey Affleck, which is, I'd say mm. both are well earned nominations. It didn't win anything, but it's... I love how Casey Affleck is playing a 19 year old. And doesn't look nasty. <laughs> I I could kind. There of... was also a similar thing where so Sam Shepard is uh, it plays Frank James who is uh, Jesse James's brother. Yeah. Guess how old his character is meant to be? Oh God, I can't. I don't. Do they mention it in the film? Because I can't. Thirty-eight. Remember. Thirty-eight. 
Yeah. Oh. And he looks way older. And apparently they have they have a reason for it. He's like, oh no, in real life his character was meant to look this rugged and whatnot. But but I could you'd think he was way older. But with Casey Affleck being nineteen, I can kind of see it. He's like baby faced, and sure. you know it was a tougher time. Nineteen yeah. year olds didn't look <laughs> as smooth so as I, us. I, so two people that auditioned for that role of Rob Ford were uh, who didn't get it were Ryan Gosling. Oh, yeah. And uh, and Sam Rockwell, who obviously is still in this film, he plays uh, Rob Ford's brother. Mm. But he yeah he wanted to play Rob Ford. No, that's. I yeah. think both. Well, that's quite interesting. Both. I think <laughs> Ryan Gosling would have done a good job as Jesse James. Oh yeah, because uh, I think Ryan Gosling now. Him and oh well, just Ryan Gosling in general, because him and Brad Pitt both have this sort of very elegant stoicism. They look similar. <laughs> not just look similar, but they both have this sort of elegant stoicism in their performances. Right. I think like they're not very emotive but just like they I don't know how to put there's sort of a quietness to them I right. think like you with yeah with Jesse James's character it's yeah it's a very stoic performance mm. but there there are some nice bits of Brad Pitt madness in this that I yeah. like yeah he gets very dark mm. and there's some bits of Tyler Durden madness in there I quite <laughs> like um bit of 12 monkeys <laughs> Bit of bit of everything, uh, <laughs> bit of cool world. <laughs> no, oh my god! Um, <laughs> How is that the second time we've talked about cool world? That that, that tenth episode just gonna be all cool world. Uh, no, don't watch cool world. Don't um, watch cool world. No. So, I would just like to add a little preface mm-hmm. in that with some of these films that we talk about, you know, some of these films we've watched three, four times. Some of these films we have just watched, and we are we. We would wrap it up in first impressions, and you know, with Ashes and Diamonds, I'd literally just finished it before recording. So, I will say, how you watch this film really affects the experience. Yeah. And that sounds really dumb, but like, so I watched this during the day in two sittings, uh, I believe. In two sittings because it was rather long, yeah. and I was I, I was I had to do some other errands, and I continued it. I continued it later on. Don't do that. Watch it all in one sitting if you can, if yeah. you have two, two and a half hours spare, or even longer than that, probably. Two hours 40, but I think, is two the hours full 40. run time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely... It, you know, have a good watching experience with this. Don't split it up, mm. you know. I think with films that are in that ballpark, similar with The Irishman, you know, take a little intermission, and then come back. Yeah. Um, and Barry also, Lyndon try as an intermission. Yeah, you know, you can do that. <laughs> and also, this may sound pretentious, but try and watch it in a sort of—I don't want to say cinematic. Be a cowboy. <laughs> don't, don't try and watch it with like broad daylight coming in. Like, right. Try and yeah, make it doesn't work. A bit dark because you need the sort of atmosphere of the film and 100%. to appreciate the cinematography and everything. I mean, yeah. I don't want to be like the film police right now saying, like, "Oh, watch <laughs> this film this way," but don't watch it I on think, your phone. Yeah, like I, I don't want to be that guy, but it's you know, no, it, it is, it, it is kind of true. There are certain films where you know you can watch it on a laptop. Certain films you can watch during the day. Yeah. Da, 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 da. This film is not one of those ones. It's a slow <laughs> burn. You know, it's an atmospheric one. Yeah, you, you kind of kind just of need to sink into, into it. Really, it's not yeah. like a, yeah. a pocket watch. Don't just. <laughs> oh no, um, a, a pocket watch. That's a weird. Word I've never heard I that. Like, I like that. I, mean, I like that's what we should call i like iPhone iPad watching is pocket watching. <laughs> I like that. No, because I'm worried now. People New will be terms on that's a rap I mean, podcast. Like a watch we've got our own. <laughs> we've got our own I terms. I don't. Yeah, I don't mean We're to confuse. Academically listeners. cited. <laughs> 
We're going to write a book. Parkinson, 2020, that. said that... Uh... <laughs> I... In first year, I didn't have a laptop and it was death. And I had to Dude. watch certain films on my iPhone. I still don't get how you did work without a laptop. I would go to public libraries. Oh <laughs> and it would be really hard. Just Anyway. Fuck. <laughs> um, one thing I did like about... Or two things, actually. Uh, about, that I liked about this film is that... I think the main theme of this film... And I'm surprised that it came out in the year that it came out because it's more the theme is more prevalent now mm. but is um a, I'd say I'd say it's a film about fandom and celebrity yeah yeah it's um, sort of like king know, of comedy Rob in Ford. that way isn't it because you yeah. have this sort of neurotic crazed fan yeah who yeah and it's just a nice comment on that with like a really old western backdrop and I thought mm. that was quite nice it was a nice contrast um I really like the western language in it even if I had to put subtitles on it <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Nick Cave did the music for this. Nick Cave has a cameo in it as and well. And he has a cameo in it, and yeah. that's one of my favourite parts. <laughs> it's one of my favourite as well. I told you it was one of my favourites, and you said, oh, really? <laughs> did I? Uh, well, you were surprised, I think, because I said it was the bit I remembered most. Uh, right, yeah. It's, yeah. Just the la- it's the end of the film. <laughs> it's like a, almost like a throwaway moment in the film. Right. And yeah, it sort of stuck with me the most. <laughs> my favourite part of The Irishman is the Don Rickles cameo. Oh, dude, honestly. <laughs> Or the guy playing Don Rickles. My favourite character yeah. in Blind Spotting is Wayne Knight. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. My favourite part of Bernie is Richard Linklater's cameo. <laughs> oh, so much but, riffing. Yeah. So much oh, riffing. So much. So, oh, it's, it's great. That's what people listen to us for. Mm. Why do you think this film was overlooked? Um. I'm not sure. Maybe because of its like I I mean it was a very strong it's a long time. It's not like super mainstream. I think it's not the most mainstream, and also I think it's just because it was overshadowed by other very big films that came out that year. So, so. what what else was nominated nominated that year? So there will be blood. No mm-hmm. country for old men were like the two big hitters that year. Right. And funnily enough, those were the two films that Jesse James lost its Oscars to. Okay. Uh, Juno was another one. You had films like Atonement and Michael Clayton, which had George Clooney in it. Uh, you had other films. Yeah, it's I, it was just a a big year, especially for westerns. I think because right, it was kind of and the, just period pieces, I guess. Yeah, because I I guess you could look at Jesse James as like the third best western from two thousand and seven, <laughs> and I guess that's why it was overlooked partly. You know. Right. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, my main takeaway from this is if you like Roger Deakins, if you like Brad Pitt watch it I if you like Casey it. Affleck's performances yes <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to touch on that because yeah, I, I, Casey I, well that's why I said performances and not the person right. yeah sorry I, I won't go into it a lot but <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to get sued no, no, um, no. yeah um, I would like to watch more Andrew Dominic films before I can really comment on the directing in this mm. um, he hasn't directed many films has he he's got the, these two I'm looking forward to the two films he's got coming up so the he's Marilyn got Monroe th- one. the Marilyn Monroe one with Anna de Armas in and he's also got a film called War Party with Tom Hardy and I realise that rhymes um, <laughs> kind of I'm looking forward to seeing to see what happens with that he also has a Nick Cave documentary that he did because they're quite close friends oh. so I, I'd like to watch that mm. I, I think that, that thing, I think it's called Remembering My Friend or Remembering Our Friend that's interesting and it's, I think it's about Nick Cave and his life and how his life was when he lost his son. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I find it weird that this film has made me just want to learn more about Nick Cave. 
And I guess going into that whole celebrity theme, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't, yeah, that's a weird takeaway. It's like, oh, this, fil- this film's cameo that, that me. probably means it doesn't work as a biopic. <laughs> it's like watching Amadeus and saying, oh, that really makes me want to know more about the guy from Ferris Bueller who was in oh. the film. <laughs> Wait, who? Uh, oh, my God. Uh, so, in Amad- do you know the principal from Ferris Bueller? Oh, my God, he- yes. He's in Amadeus. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was like, is Matthew Broderick no. Alan Rock <laughs> no, in no, this? No, 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 the, other, the like... other guy from Ferris Bueller. Okay. The uh, I'm, I'm doing a lot of riffing today. <laughs> it's okay. It's when life gets you down, you've got to riff. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, if you like Roger Deakins, if you like Brad Pitt, if you like your slow westerns, you like your character pieces... And if you want to find out about Jesse James. Yeah, I... I guess the hearsay. Of if you want to watch a great western from two thousand seven, and you've already seen the other two, <laughs> that's the poster quote. <laughs> the third best, the bronze medal for two thousand seven westerns. Here's here's where I feel mean, Matt. I'm worried that people that know people that know people are going to be like, "That was rude." I'm sorry. I don't mean any disrespect. I'm just we're, we're, well. No, it's because I'm not really. Say, right. I'm saying the film was unfortunate <laughs> to come out at a time when two of the right. most Got acclaimed you. films of the two thousands were also released. I'm not. <laughs> shitting on the no, film don't at all no no I'm, I'm not saying that with you <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's my worry I have with not f- film critiquing but chatting about films mm. is that you know there's so many people that go into it so I always no, get I, I get it you don't want to worry about don't shit talk someone or... people and I, I don't want to do yeah. that either yeah but yeah I'd... I wasn't trying to do that with Richard Linklater <laughs> earlier <laughs> <laughs> we love you Rick I, I do I, I, I really like Linklater as a director I think he's <laughs> he's cool yeah um, what's he doing next? He has a film out already called Where'd You Go, Bernadette, with Kate Blanchett. He's do- he's got a film that is supposedly being released in twenty years or something. Yeah, Manhood. Yeah. Oh wait, no. You ha- you're talking about the Stephen Sondheim one. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, with Beanie Feldstein and Tom Platt. Uh, I just. I, I, I hope he's okay. I. I yeah. He's... I hope he can still make those films. I, you know, like he's proven his endurance with Boyhood. You, we know he legit you're... wanted to make a, a, another like a sequel to Boyhood called Manhood mm. in like a couple of years time but I just I don't want him to hurt himself you know because Boyhood sure was like a take task care of his... and I, yeah. he's like yeah. he's proven himself now just make nice year long films films that take <laughs> a year to make you know <laughs> oh dear just, yeah. just be, be okay do you know apparently sorry as a tangent I think no, no, I mean we've kind of covered all the films now but <laughs> yeah uh, yeah. When Linklater was making Boyhood, there was a contract that said that if he died during production, Ethan Hawke would take over as director. Really? Yeah, I think so. That's, I think that's wow. Because right. um, Ethan Hawke has writing credits on some of the before trilogy. He does, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know if that's in terms of the actors improvising so much that it's additional dialogue, or yeah. they, he actually, I think Linklater actually did go to them for like, you know, write your story for your character. Yeah. Like, actually have a piece in it. So, well, I think cause I don't, I don't it's know. a case Maybe with most of his films, isn't it? It's like with Boyhood, they didn't really have a script. They had an outline for each right. year that they did it. And yeah. it's like, um, I know the film was nominated for Best Original Screenplay, and it's like, does it count? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not a screenplay. <laughs> but yeah, um, I didn't do this at the beginning of the podcast because I didn't want to just do promo. But um, yeah. before I do the promo, again... Please sign the petitions that you see. Yes. And, you know, and donate and just type up Black Lives Matter card on Google and that will lead you to where, you like, 
lead you, lead you to where you can help. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, there is an article on Vox called How to Protest Safely in a Pandemic. I highly advise you guys to read it. Please stay safe out there. Please protest. And um, yeah. And then we'll get into our promo real quick because, yeah, we didn't do it at the beginning. Um, yeah, so uh, we have an Instagram page, which is TAW Podcast. So if you guys ever, in general, want to recommend us films or topics for us to talk about, send us a DM there. Our DMs are open. You can suggest whatever you want. We'll be doing more stories with different themes. So, you know, like recently we said, like, what are some underrated films you'd like to see us talk about? And we talked about one of those today. So... You never know. Um, so I highly recommend you guys do that. Um, we also have a Facebook page. So if you type up That's a Rap, Podca- That's a Rap Podcast or T-A-W Podcast, we'll be there. So just make sure to give us a like and a share because it really helps out the show. Spotify, uh, no, listening platforms that are available on, uh, quite a lot. And I, I found out that more people are using the other platforms at the moment, um, which is quite interesting because I thought, you know, Spotify was the reigning one. I thought it was um, as well. Yeah, so we are available on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, like with your Pocket Watch thing earlier, <laughs> Overcast, uh, and Apple Music. I'm never going to um, live so down Pocket Watch, am I? <laughs> I? I hope that becomes an academic term. Oh my god, it was just... Um, <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine the podcast gets cited? I'm not even that there. proud of it, because I'm just worried now people will <laughs> confuse it with like a watch that you have like a pocket watch like oh yeah that's, that's what true. i that's why i kind of dismissed it but if you want to keep it sure can you can you watch films on those apple watches <laughs> probably i'm surprised that life finds been a way for that <laughs> i want to watch dunkirk on a <laughs> there, there was a bunch of memes about the irishman wasn't there when it was released yeah. about people watching it on a treadmill or on a microwave <laughs> with the caption just the way scorsese intended and it's oh, i love it you can do anything nowadays <laughs> What's the weirdest device you've watched something on? I, just, I don't have an interesting That's answer such for this. A, I've, I, I've I interrupted my promo just for this. <laughs> the weirdest device? I don't know. I guess... I was going to say maybe I remember watching TV, but those aren't that weird. But <laughs> I, Maybe it's not weird, but I remember watching... Do you ever use uh, Netflix on the Wii? <laughs> uh, I use it on my Xbox. Because, like... When you have when you're using a Nintendo Wii for it, you kind of have to like hover your hand out and make sure it selects. Mm. You know, like it's it's very weird. Yeah, uh, it was a weird experience. Um, but I, yeah. I used to use my Xbox a lot for Netflix. Oh, that isn't so weird. No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear about Quibi? About who? Quibi. Quibi. It's a new streaming service that's kind of tanked. And what about it? So it's it Quibi's like it stands for like quick bite. And it's like, each thing is like only half an hour long, and it's it was designed to be on your phone right. so that you get a, a quibby while you while you're waiting on the bus or a quibby whilst waiting for your reservation. And it was yeah, it was strictly for your phone. Uh, it was streaming service strictly for your phone. And like Sam Raimi had a TV show on there that he produced, and there was a new version of Punked, and there was a bunch of stuff. But it came out when during a pandemic where people can't be on the go. Right. So people are sat at home and they're going to watch it on their TV anyway. <laughs> so they had to like try and adapt and it's oh not making a lot of money. Oh dear. Oh dear. Good old Quibi. Anyway, back to our promo real quick. So we are available on all those platforms that I previously mentioned. Uh, if you want to listen to us on any device such as the Wii, go ahead. Um, 
But yeah, if you'd like to keep up to date with the latest films that we've watched, whether it be talked about on the podcast or just in general, uh, our letterbox pages are Joe Film User and, and Clappy, Clappy P. P. The amazing Clappy B. How? Clappy B? Clappy P. Clappy P. That is immortalised now on, on wax for the world to see. Pocket watch. Pocket watch, Clappy P. Just any dumb thing I say. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be immortalised. Definitely check out the previous two films, but I'd say my 100% recommendation is Blindspotting. It's same. I would say, like, 100% recommend Blindspotting. Like, 80% recommend uh, yeah. Jesse James. And maybe, like, 50% recommend Bernie. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I know those percentages don't really mean anything. I just basically say... <laughs> yeah. Should we check our percentages? We can check our stats if you want. Sure. Do you so, want to do it right now on the episode? <laughs> I'm sure. So this is what I was saying with like <laughs> the uh, the other um, platforms. So we have 89% of us on Spotify. We have 4% listeners uh, on Anchor, 3% on Google Podcast, and 4% on other. So Spotify uh, is the dominant one. Yeah, but the, uh, the, the other, uh, like, Google Podcasts didn't pop up until recently. Right. So that was quite interesting to see. Uh, uh, 60% UK audience, 20% United States. So if you guys are in the States, thank you so much for actually Howdy. listening to two Bournemouth and, sorry, people <laughs> talk about the film. Um, yeah. And 10% Canada and 10% Germany. So, like, thank you very much, guys. Um, we might get some Polish listeners. from Hopefully, by, by the time our episode, Polish yeah. episode comes up. <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to say a quick thank you to everyone that's listening, because yeah. it's just really nice. We've had some direct messages from people who've um, expressed yeah. their thanks and their appreciation, and we we just love it, you know? we People are lovely. I, I, I love just being able to talk about films with my mates, and I love that people, you know, are watching the stuff we're talking about mm. and, you know, sharing their opinions, and I just love the engagement that we're getting. Yeah. And I'm just, yeah, I'm incredibly thankful, you know? We're, we're not... We don't get paid doing this or anything. We just love talking about films. <laughs> um, fun enough, if, if there are any sponsors out there that want to support film podcasts, you know, message us on our Facebook. But yeah, it's. I just wanted to say I was like incredibly grateful. I don't know, Matt. I just wanted to get that in. <laughs> no, I I completely agree. I'm I'm also very grateful. You know, it's this is something we enjoy doing a lot, and I'm glad other people are enjoying it as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, by the time this is up, we will have nine episodes and we'll be going on to our tenth whole episode of That's a Wrap podcast. Da, da, da. And I'd say today, guys, that's a wrap. That is a wrap. <laughs> right, I'm going to stop the